glad to be here tonight, and we're glad that you're here tonight, and we're grateful to the Lord for his benefits, amen, amen. and for his blessings, and uh, we are continuing to see Jesus in every book of the Bible, and uh, we are enjoying our study, and we are learning and growing, and the good thing about the Word of God is that it's inexhaustible, amen, so when you, even after you read every word, there's more to learn about the Word of God. So we're glad to be here tonight, glad you're here tonight. Appreciate you being here tonight. Thank the Lord for all of our Facebook family joining us tonight. Glad that you're here and studying with us. And uh, we invite you to continue to study with us and, 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 and spend time in the Word of God when we're all together. Spend time in the Word of God when you're on your own, when we're not all together. And, uh, and Facebook family, come visit us here at Eagle Summit. Uh, and if you're in the area, and consider all of our social media outreaches, see us on TV, all the different ways. Let's study the word together and grow. If you're growing in the things of God, learning more about the Lord Jesus Christ through this study, visit us on our website, leave a note for us on our Facebook page so that we'll know that this word is blessing your life. Because that's the only reason why we're here is to be a blessing in your lives. Amen. If you want to give, you can give as well. But to God be the glory for his word. Amen? So we're continuing to see Jesus in every book of the Bible. And uh, last week, uh, we advanced to uh, 1 Samuel. I think that's how far we got last week, right? 1 Samuel. We started in 1 Samuel last time. And uh, we talked about uh, uh, what the Lord was doing in Samuel's life and how Samuel became, came to be a leader of the nation of Israel um, way back many, many hundreds of years ago. And we saw that he was the last of the judges. There was a period in, in Bible history where the nation of Israel was being led by judges and Samuel was the last one of the judges. And so uh, we talked about how he came into existence, how his, how his mother did not have any children and she wanted a child. And so what did she do? She prayed. She prayed. She understood the power of prayer. She believed in the power. She put her faith in God. And so she went to the temple to pray, and we, and we talked about that, and, and she prayed so intensely with such passion, with such fervor, that the priest thought that she was drunk and out of her mind, but she wasn't. She was, she was serious, amen, about what she wanted, about getting what she wanted from the Lord. And as a result, she got what she wanted from the Lord, didn't she? The Lord delivered to her a son. His name was Samuel. She told the Lord, if you give him to me, I'll give him back to you. And she did exactly that. And so he was raised to be a priest. He was raised to be a prophet. He was raised to be a seer. He was raised to hear the voice of God, not knowing that the Lord was going to use him mightily as he grew into, into his full calling and into his full purpose in his life. And so he was the last of the judges. And... Um, and while he was the judge, um, the people of Israel decided that, um, they, that, that they wanted something they'd never had before. Does anybody remember what they wanted that they did not already have? They wanted a natural king. Now they, had a, they already had a king, which is God. 
And he proved himself able to take care of them, to protect them, to save them, to heal them, to deliver them, to protect them from adversaries, enemies of all kinds, to bring them, to do miracles for them. But they wanted what everybody else had. And there's something, and, and sometimes we can't, we shouldn't want what other people have. Uh, it's better if we want what God has for us. Amen? Because if, if, if what God has for you, it is for you. And so the other nations around them that they really weren't supposed to be connected with, uh, they began to be friends with their neighbors who did not know God, and their neighbors had kings, and so they decided they wanted one. And so they went to Samuel as their judge, as their priest, as their prophet at that time, and told him that they wanted what? They wanted a king. And he was not hot on giving them one, was he? Was he excited about releasing? No, he wasn't. Um, and so, but nevertheless, he went to the Lord and asked the Lord, what should I do? They're clamoring for a king. And what did God tell Samuel to tell them? I'll give you a king, but in the end, you'll be sorry. You will not, you'll regret that you asked for a king. So, uh, now Samuel has to find the king. And so Samuel, how did he find the king? Did the Lord tell him, tell him the address where the king, where the next king lived? Did he tell him? No, he didn't. What did he do? He had to go look. And before he went to go look, what did he have to do? He had to pray and work through his relationship with God. And sometimes when you want to know what to do in your own life, you got to work through the relationship you have with God. And that's what Samuel did. He worked through the relationship he had with God, meaning what he prayed and he listened. He prayed and he what? And he listened. And when he listened, the Lord ended up telling him who the king was going to be before he ever saw him. So when he got up the next day, he went out looking for the person the Lord told him it was going to be. And so when he saw the person who was going to be, to be king, which was Saul, he knew who it was because the Lord had already told him. Amen? So anyway, in the, Saul becomes king, and we talked all about his rulership and his reign, and it turned out to be just what the Lord said. They regretted having him as their king. And so we, we looked in 1 Samuel to see, okay, well, well we understand that, that they got a king now and he was good for a minute and then he went berserk and acted all wild and crazy and they regretted it. They went into war, to battle, and he ended up being killed in battle. But where did we see Jesus in 1 Samuel? What, 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 what was in 1 Samuel that pointed us to the Lord Jesus Christ? What did we see there that pointed us to the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he wasn't born yet, right? So what did we see? We saw a king, okay? So, 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 the, so a, a human king was raised up right? That was Saul. But then people discovered that that wasn't sufficient, right? No king in the flesh is sufficient for any of us, correct? 
So here we begin to see a king coming into the nation of Israel's experience. Okay? How else did we see Jesus in 1 Samuel? Did we see grace? Did we see grace? Okay? And Jesus is full of what? Grace and truth. So, so the nation of Israel will grace even in the Lord releasing a king to them. Okay, he knew it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be the best thing, but they would learn something from it. Amen. How many of you ever got something that wasn't good for you, but you did learn something from it? <laughs> you got something you wanted, but, and, and it wasn't the best, but you learned something from it. Amen. And just the fact that we learn something from the, the things that we go through is the grace of God. To what? To prevent us from doing the same thing over and over and over again. So we see a king. We see grace in 1 Samuel. We see what else? Do we see love in 1 Samuel? We, we see, do we see mercy? Okay. We see the love of God releasing Samuel to his mother. Who was, who, who was childless, the Lord answering her prayer. Do we see mercy? Yes. Because after Saul, the nation still existed. And all of those were evidence that Jesus was in the mix, that God was putting into the earth, putting into the experience, everything that Jesus is. Okay. And we saw grace. Yes, we talked about that before. That after Samuel was born, his mother released him to the Lord, gave him to the Lord to serve God for the rest of his life. But after that, she had five more children. And five in the Bible is a number for grace. So there's, there's another sign of Jesus, the grace of God wasn't earned, she didn't necessarily deserve it, but he gave her. Okay? Did we, we haven't earned a savior, but we have one. Amen? Glory to God. So all of those things point to the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the Bible, even throughout 1 Samuel. Tonight we're going on to 2 Samuel. Okay? Because in 1 Samuel we saw Saul raised up as a king. We also saw David coming onto the scene. But, but before he became a king, he was a shepherd, right? He was a shepherd who became a warrior, who became a servant unto King Saul. And in the end, when Saul went off the rails, the Lord said, find another king. Who, who was that person? It was David. And when the Lord anointed him, what, did he become the king the next day? He did not. Two weeks later, was he the king? Two months later, was he the king? Two years later, was he the king? No. It was about nine years before he became the king, after he had, after he had been anointed. And in that space of time, Saul was trying to kill him year after year after year after year. But the Lord prevailed 
And in 2 Samuel, the next book of the Bible, David is the king. And the book, and the, and the book of 2 Samuel is all about David being the king over Israel, being the king over all the tribes of Israel, all 12 of the tribes of Israel. And at that particular, before he became the king, the nation had been somewhat divided. And there were 10 tribes in the north of their promised land, two tribes in the south of their promised land. When David becomes the king, he unites them all under one leadership, his leadership. Okay? And David became the king. And there were some things about him that were very significant, things that people talk about to this day. Like what? When you think of King David in the Bible, what do you think of? Praise and worship music. He was a musician, a songwriter, a singer, a harpist. He had music gifts, okay? Do you still hear about that today? Yes. Are his, are his songs written down anywhere? <laughs> the book of Psalms. Amen. And how many songs have been written based on those words? Somebody said gazillions of them. Okay, so, so when we think of King David, we think of song, we think of praise, we think of worship. He was a praiser, he was a worshiper. What else do we think of when we think of King David based on what we know as people who study the Bible? He was a man after God's own heart. How many of you heard that ever before? David was a man after God's own heart. If you're a person after God's own heart, what does that say about you? Hmm? You're a grace giver, right? What does else that say about you if you're a person after God's own heart? Full of love. What else? What else? Obedient. A person after God's own heart. Who is God all about? Himself? No. Who's God all about? others. So if you're a person after God's own heart, you're about others. And we see that when David unites the kingdom back under one. We see that when, uh, when he is uh, not killing Saul when Saul tried to kill him. When he had opportunities to. He could have taken his life, but he did not do it. So he's considered a person after God's own heart. He is a person who embraced the truth, even about himself. He did what? Embraced the truth about him, even when it was about himself, even when it was negative. Because did he do everything right? So he was not God. He was a person, right? And he didn't do everything right. But when he did stuff wrong, what did he do? He was quick to repent. And when we read the book of Psalms and we read the ones that he wrote, and, and, and we can see that, that he was open-hearted before the Lord. Okay? He was open-hearted before the Lord. 
He tried to hide some stuff for a minute, didn't he? You never did that, I know, right? <laughs> we all try to hide some stuff, amen, for more than a minute sometimes, amen? But, when, but, but, but ultimately, his heart was pricked, his heart was turned, he confessed his sin before the Lord, correct? And got back right. One time, right? Many times. Many times. And so why would you think that, that King David is mentioned in the New Testament many, many times? Because he has a heart like God. Because he has a heart like God, and, and why else? Because it's a picture. He's a picture of grace. He's also a picture of relationship with God. That, that, that when you're right, you got a good relationship. When you're wrong, you got a good relationship. When you're right, the Lord loves you. When you're wrong, the Lord loves you. Forgiveness is always available. You don't have to fear coming into the presence of the Lord because he is a receiver of his people. God is what? A receiver of his sons and daughters. He will receive us. Is that a blessing? Is that good news? Absolutely. So much so that um, I, I discovered that, that King David is mentioned in the New Testament. We're seeing him, his life in the Old Testament, but he's mentioned in the New Testament 59 times. It, do you think that would be significant? Well, it would be significant in the sense that the Lord wants us to know, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Nothing you can do can stop my love for you. Nothing you can do can separate me from you. I have loved you with what kind of love? Everlasting, everlasting love. Okay, very good. So, 2 Samuel, all about King David. 2 Samuel uh, uh, is all about King David. Saul is rejected. Saul ends up dying in battle. And then the Lord makes a proclamation and releases a new covenant to the people of Israel. Okay? So let's look, at, let's look in our Bibles, 2 Samuel chapter 7. All right, can we go there? 2 Samuel chapter 7. And I want us to see what the Lord said to his people and to his servant. Because was David a servant? Yes. He was a king, but he was also a servant. It's good if, you, if you're a king and you have a servant's heart. Right? Okay, 2 Samuel chapter 7. Chapter 7. Okay, and let's begin at verse 11. Are you there? 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning at verse 11. It says, And since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. 
and when thy days be fulfilled, and so here is the Lord using Samuel to speak something to David right here, okay? Verse 12, and when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Uh, what does it mean, verse 12? It says, and when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. What does that mean? Right, after you die, I will set up thy seed after thee. Seed meaning what? Son, children, after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels. What does that mean? You will give birth to this child, and I will establish his kingdom. Verse 13, he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. How long? Forever. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be, verse 14, I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children, children of men. My mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established, how long? Forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established, how long? Forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan, who was a prophet, speak unto David. So, what is he telling, what, what is God telling David right here in this passage? I will set up thy seed after thee. Your seed will come after you. He'll build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Okay? So, in the natural, who was the king after David, his son Solomon. He became the king after his father, okay? So he's the king after his father. And all of these things that are spoken here apply to him. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom, how long? Forever. I will be his father. He shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him and the, with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. Did that happen to Solomon? Did he have to have some correction? Okay. Did he go off a little bit? Somebody said a whole lot. Okay. Verse 15. But my mercy shall not depart away from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee, and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established 
how long? Forever, according to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan, who was the prophet, speak unto David. Now, this is spoken to David and his next son, Solomon. But this particular passage does not apply only to Solomon, who was one of David's sons. It applies to David's whole lineage from the beginning to the end of the world. So therefore, that means that this passage applies to who? It applies to Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. How do we know it applied to Jesus, our Savior and Lord? Because our Savior, Jesus Christ, was of the lineage of David. Are you getting this? Okay, so, so David is the king. Solomon is a son of David. Jesus is a son of David. So the natural kingdom of Israel had a period of time where it did not it was wiped out. But the spiritual kingdom is how long according to this scripture? Forever. It is forever. And here we see the link from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to David to Solomon to Jesus. This prophecy that was spoken by the prophet Nathan when was it spoken? Last week? How long ago? Hundreds, hundreds, thousands of years. How can the Lord say something thousands of years ago and it still be in effect today? He never changes. His word doesn't change. The Bible says all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. So be it. Meaning what? If God said it, he's going to do it. If God said it, it's going to happen, regardless of how long it takes. Regardless of what happens from the time he says it to the time it manifests. Now, in the period of time that we're talking about, in, 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 in the period of 2 Samuel, uh, it was happening in the natural. David was the king, now Solomon is coming after him. It's happening in the natural realm, in the natural world. But as we'll see as we continue to study, uh, in the natural, it disappeared. Israel became a conquered people. And they got scattered and they got split up. But this word is still true. Do we have a king? What is his name? Jesus the Christ. How many of you ever heard of Jesus referred to as son of David? Son of David. 
now you know why. Well, I, they called him son of David, but he, he and David didn't live the same time. No, but the promise was to the same, to the same lineage, to the same line. God said thousands of years before, this is what I'm going to do. And if it's about blessing us, if it's about taking care of us, if it's about providing for us, if it's about loving us, you can take it to the bank. Because all the promises of God in him, in Christ, are yes and amen. He will do what he said. And so when, you're, so when, you're, when, when you see the promise in the word, but you don't see it in the natural, you have to hold fast to the word. When, when, when you're waiting for a long time and it looks like it's never going to happen, you got to hold to the promises that are in the word. Because the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man, Jesus Christ, that he should repent. So if he promised it, it's coming. Right? It's coming. Into your life, into my life. And so in that place, if we know that, then, then what do we need? Lord, you got to help me while I'm waiting. <laughs> right? Lord, you got to help me with my impatience because I'm impatiently waiting to be patient. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. And, and, if he can do, and if he can say something and still keep it coming, keep it manifesting over hundreds and thousands of years, he might be having something come to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. The day after. The next day. The weekend. Amen? Amen. Who gets frustrated when they're waiting? I'm the only one raising my hand. I don't understand. Amen? But here we see the promise. That's true. We're living in the reality of it. How are we living in the reality of it? <laughs> how, how, do, how are we living in the reality of it? It says, uh, it said in here, he shall build a house for my name. Did Jesus build a house for the name of the Lord? What is the house that Jesus built for the name of the Lord? It's called the what? Us. It's called the church. It's called the body of Christ. He built a house for the Lord and put us in it, right? He built a house and established the throne of his kingdom forever. Okay? Is the church forever? Yes. Yes. And yes. All right. Is that good? I think it's very good. Glory to God. Amen? So David's the king. He tries to unite, he unites all the different tribes back together as one nation under God. Amen. And uh, his people begin to become victorious. And uh, he establishes a federal, uh, a federal government so that responsibilities are handed off to other people. 
hand it off to who? Other people. Because leadership is not about one person, is it? No, no, no. So he developed teams all over the nation so that the kingdom could continue and to go forward. Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 8. Chapter 8, and let's look at verse, chapter 8 and verse 6. It says, Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became servants to David and brought gifts. And the Lord preserved David whithersoever, what? Whithersoever he went. And this passage goes on to talk about all the victories, all the military victories that were won by the nation of Israel under David's leadership. Okay? Now, verse, chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9. More evidence of David being a man after God's own heart. Chapter 9, verse 1. Are you there? And David said, after all the things that took place before he became king, he's saying, now, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Why does David want to show Saul's relatives kindness? when Saul was trying to kill him for nine years straight. Hmm? Because of Jonathan. Who was Jonathan? Saul's son. And Jonathan and David were best friends, right? So they, in the war that was going on at that time, Saul was killed, Jonathan was killed, now David's the king, and now he's asking, is there any of their relatives left that I can show kindness to? Do you want to show kindness to the daddy of your enemy? The kinfolk of your enemy? Is that normal? Is that natural? No, it's not. But this is David. Man after whose own heart? Because you know that got to be God. Somebody tried to kill you and uh, you're like, well, do they have any relatives left? I want to show kindness. Uh, uh, Jonathan was my best friend and so we had it like that. So I want to show some kindness out of respect for my friend Jonathan and out of respect for the person who was king before me. That's not normal, but it's happening here, okay? Verse two, and there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba, and when they had called him unto David the king, said unto him, art thou Ziba? And he said, thy servant is he. And the king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath left the son, which is lame, on his feet. And the king said, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then king David sent and fetched him 
out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Long story short, David brings Jonathan's son to his house and says, I'm going to do what? Take care of you for the rest of the week. No, for the rest of your life. For the rest of your what? For the rest of your life. Who do you know has done that? Said, find me their relative. I will take care of them for the rest of their life. And, and when he found uh, this son named Mephibosheth, he was not a child. He was an adult. What adults have you said, I'll take care of you for the rest of your life? I got it like that. It's in my heart to do that. If somebody would say that, whose heart do they have? They have God's heart. They are a man after God's own heart. Isn't that right? Do you see that? Does anybody see that? Okay. And um, verse 6, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and I will restore and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. If you sow seed like that, would you reap a great harvest? Did David ever lack for any good thing? No. Not just because he sowed seed, but because of what was in the right place. His heart was in the right place. Okay? So we see David forgiving, being forgiven. And as I told you last time in the, in the, in the New Testament, we got all these references about David, but none of those references rehearse his sins with Bathsheba and his sins with this person and that person and killing somebody's husband and all that. It's not recorded and recounted again in New Testament because it was what? Forgiven. It's not brought up again. It's not like, well, he was great, but you, you know, I knew him when. What does the Lord want us to see in New Testament times? Grace, in New Testament times, he wants us to see that when he forgives us, are we forgiven? Yes. When he says, I love you with an everlasting love, is that true? Yes. So does he want us to, every time we pray, repent of what we did in 1977? No. No. Because he remembers it 
no more. To God be the glory. Amen? Amen. So, he was a man after God's own heart. He was a wonderful king, a giver, a forgiver, a lover, a musician, a leader, a writer, all of those things. Was he perfect? Not perfect. Not perfect. He loved his sons. He loved his, all of his sons, not just Solomon. Did he have other sons? Yes. And they lived like princes, right? They were princes of, of Israel. And they had everything. What happens when people get everything sometimes? They get happy. Happily spoiled, right? And David's sons uh, were spoiled rotten. They had everything and wanted more. How do you want more when you have everything? Just like us, when we get, we get what we want, and we're like, this is nice, but you know, I saw something and, and I think I want that too. Uh-huh. Don't act like you ain't like them. Amen. We all are, right? So, so all of his, so his sons uh, had issues, and uh, they were jealous, and they were, and they were selfish, and all of those things. And then when David dies, and Solomon becomes the king, uh, then they were all mad, swole up. They wanted to fight. They wanted to take over, and uh, Solomon had to fight them, beat them down. And then Solomon had his own sons. Guess what happened to his sons when he was the king? Spore rotten. Spore rotten. And then after Solomon, they be then one of his sons becomes the king. And that turned out to be a disaster. A what? A disaster and we'll talk about it next time okay hallelujah to God be the glory seeing Jesus in every book of the Bible we're seeing him and we're seeing his grace and we're seeing his love amen and I get ex I just get excited to see that he that God is the same yesterday today and forever and he purposed it in the beginning to love us, to come after us, to take care of us, and he never changed his mind. He's still doing it. He keeps on doing great things for all of us. Amen? To God be the glory, the glory, the glory. Hallelujah.